to Summer Bays, the unofficial Home and Away podcast brought to you by Clara Kavna. Each week, I'll do a deep dive into the week's events and discuss dilemmas our characters might find themselves in, like, is minding your friend's baby without their permission really a kidnapping? Or is murdering a murderer really a crime? It's time to feel closer each day to Home and Away. Before I get started, I just want to share a top tip to really enhance your home and away viewing, and that is no spoilers. So try not to look at what's coming up tomorrow on Home and Away. Avoid reading the episode descriptions or going online. Honestly, it's a total game changer. And as listener Jen emailed me in and said, with a show that is quite predictable, why ruin any of the other surprises you might not see coming? Couldn't agree more. Thank you, Jen. If you want to get in touch with me, you can email summerbayspodcast at gmail.com because I would love to hear from you. And if you like what you hear, I would love if you could subscribe, rate and or review the podcast. That would be so fab. So it was a busy little week this week. Now, I must say, I don't know where to begin with the Ben, Maggie, Gemma triangle that's going on. So... I don't think I mentioned it last week, but last week ended with Maggie having this DMC with Leah, who is the ex-husband expert. And so that kind of spurs Maggie into, you know, sorting things out and taking control of the Ben situation. But what she doesn't realise is that Ben has a weird but magnetic um, connection with Gemma. So she and when they're talking at the bar, you know, when Maggie sees them, the two of them are like reaching over like the drinks and over the whole width of the bar to like get closer to each other. I find it really strange. I find them an odd couple. It's an odd match. Both are very similar people. but I don't know if they would have ever really. I think they were kind of like the wrong people, but in the right place, if that makes sense. I don't really know where they would They're the kind of couple where it could go really, really well or they're just like not matched or something. I don't know. But the biggest things standing in both their way are both their children and also a bit of Maggie. When Maggie pulls him away from Gemma to bring him out to the balcony and being like, what are you doing? And he's like, it's none of your business. So obviously Maggie then regrets her impulsivity, which I don't blame her for. She's constantly doing that, doing stuff, then regretting it, doing it, then regretting it. Still wearing dumpy clothes and still doing these weird facial expressions like, mm, I'm just so happy. Mm, I'm just so sad and alone. It's just this pursing of the lips or something. I'm just not into it. But anyway, the intrigue of a forbidden love between Ben and Gemma does pull them closer and closer together because Ben spends all day in salt. Sorry, he should have been really drunk by the end of that. And he was wearing a button-down shirt. Like, he now, he's always in T-shirts. It's nice to see him. I really fancy Ben, so it was nice to see him a bit dressed up for once. But where is this going? Where? I find I'm watching all the scenes through my fingers. I'm like, this is wrong. It doesn't feel right. I'm not... Like when he grabs her hand when they're playing pools, like, do you want to come back to mine? And then he starts like dimming the lights and setting the mood. It's just everything about it. I'm like, no, I'm just wincing so much. I don't get it. I understand he's really mad at Maggie, but that just, does that really mean you have to be like jumping into bed with another woman or looking for this emotional connection with another woman? He obviously misses that because he's had like 20 odd years of having a wife and the last good few months he hasn't had 
kind of uh, like that connection with a woman, but it's just a bit brash or something. It's very unben. When they kissed, it was obviously too much for Gemma and she started to kind of freak out and then Ben was just so nice. And even though he's doing not a very nice thing, but I love how it opened up the chat about Gemma's late husband, Makare, and it gets her talking about it because when are we really going to hear that story? She needs to either have a DMC with one of the ladies, but she's not really going to have that kind of an open conversation with her brothers-in-law or her son. And it's such a funny position where she wanted to leave him, but then she didn't. And then she's still left without him. I thought that was kind of sad. So in the wake of all that then, they confide in Ari and Justin respectively. Meanwhile, their children are getting more and more angry. And then when Nick threatens Ziggy, when he goes to the hotel room and starts asking her dad, did you sleep with Gemma? Inappropriate, Ziggy. Why do you think you need to know that? Why would you want to know that? That is your dad. And then when Nick really blows off at Gemma and that's not really fair and she really shouted at him and he deserved it because I understand he's hurting but also you can't talk to her like that so and I really like the dynamic change in Ari and Nick when Ari takes him off he's like come on Nifu we go to the beach that not fighting Nick hugging Ari big step in their relationship and I thought Ari did a great job so come on hopefully the plates are shifting here and we're getting into more of a family dynamic and less of a fighting dynamic between Ari and everybody. And then when Ben starts then getting it from Ari and then Ziggy's like, I'm telling mom. And then Ben cops it in the ear from Dean and he's like, oh, you don't know what it's like. And he's like, well, like Dean's like, oh, well, at least I'm the one in a relationship. Ooh, harsh Dean, but fair. They have a couple of chats and or they're talking about did they regret it or not and Ben's like, what, did I regret spending the night holding you? No. Ugh, gross Ben. Don't freak me out. I don't know, it's just, I'm not used to seeing him in this single man role and I don't like it. Then the second chat Ben and Gemma have about things, they decide to call it quits, seems fairly mutual and I'm really glad this wasn't hanging over the weekend. I'm glad this is sorted within one week because I would not have liked the build-up of this relationship into... Wait, is this actually a storyline we're pursuing here? Is Are they going to go down this route? So I'm glad actually Ben realised he's like, what am I actually doing? So who knows? Maybe Dean is to praise for that kind of advice because it was fair. <laughs> then moving on to Ryder. So in the wake of Evan's news, Ryder kind of goes into his own bubble and Rue and Alf are trying to help him through it. And I know Evan has lung cancer, but they're very rarely saying it. They're kind of just talking about, oh, he's just generally dying. So, which I thought was kind of weird. Like they just, they explained that it was asbestos caused it. But I feel like if I had just tuned into Home and Away now, I would just think he's just like randomly dying. I love now that Alf, Rue and Ryder have gotten into this dynamic with Evan, like the one that was in Friends, where it's like, they don't know that we know that they know that we know that they know. Ryder's still trying to process, trying to keep up this facade of, I don't know, but I still want to spend time with you. Now I'm going to be nice to you. And I think it's kind of sad now that Ryder knows and Evan is so obviously lying to him. But then I think the turning point in Ryder finding out the news about Evan is when he chats to Nick 
And he understands like the gravity of losing a parent, especially losing a dad. And the advice that he gets from Nick is brilliant. And the regrets that Nick has, he's like, well, I don't want to have them myself. So that that then spurred on Ryder and his idea for the live music night. And as much as Evan doesn't want to do it for the right reasons and he's scared that he won't be able to perform whatever, but his excuses are just so self-complimentary. Like, I don't have my band with me. Like, is he really famous? I know he's famous in real life, but like, is he really famous? Is he expect everyone to know who he is? Like, from what I gathered, he's like a cruise ship musician. Oh, I risk I'll embarrass you. Like, I'm coming out of retirement. Stop. There's such terrible excuses. But then writer's reasons for just wanting to see him play are lovely and it's a great way to remember him. And Rue is obviously the bloody motor behind all of this because I don't think there'd be any relationship if it wasn't for Rue. So hats off to you. Sidebar, I just love Alf's sassiness when he goes... Ryder is trying to explain the story of the live music night and he's kind of taking ages to get to the point and then Alf goes can you just get to the point before I need a hip replacement <laughs> I just love it and I just love how they just totally accept his <laughs> sarky humour it's just so good the live music night though does spur Ryder on to this like hyper organising rattled phase and going full steam ahead recruiting anyone and everyone doesn't really give Mac much of a choice for hosting it wanting it to be perfect but then Rue I'd love if Rue could give me some life advice it's like when she said to him you're making memories so try and enjoy it I thought that was really sad and I hope Ryder does do that and I blow I really hope Evan doesn't go and pull like a no-show or doesn't show up because I just that would just be insult injury and a classic from Evan Slater. Now on to my most favourite, treasured part of the week. Miss Jasmine and poor little Grace. So... She's gone quiet now, you know, gone a little bit under the radar. Uh, she's let, making note to everyone that she's doing fine. She's feeling positive, but she's still in those chat rooms. And the whole issue of Grace teething and keeping Tori up. Now the narrative has changed. She's now posting my little girl. It's not like my friend's baby. It's not my niece or anything. It's now my little girl, which is a sick, subtle twist. And Willow sees this. And Willow's like, Tori's a doctor. Why are you doing this? I know there's a lot going on, but I think Jasmine can't just go from being really, them having this massive bust up and then not looking. Willow needs to look out for the little signs because that's actually a massive sign that even Jasmine's in a chat room. And then I thought there was another really creepy moment where they're in the diner and Jasmine's holding Grace and she starts to stir. And then Jasmine goes, excuse us. I thought that was really weird. Didn't. Just made me, it was a bit creepy. And then when she goes into the kitchen to do the tip about the, from the mum group about the carrots for a baby's teething. And then Tori obviously comes in giving quite a Justin reaction, I must say. But look, she's overtired. She's a new mum. But Jasmine reacted like such a teenager. It was like, oh, I was just holding it. It was fine. Like, I'm a nurse. She's very, like, moody or something. There was no sorry. And then Tori tries to apologise not once but twice and Jasmine makes it so hard for her like really making work for it and saying like we really seem to be running into these kind of situations why is that Tori's problem that's actually your problem because you're being inappropriate and you're crossing the boundary and now taking to the chat rooms talking about Tori as if she was a sister-in-law oh that is just not good Jasmine so 
I'm sad Jasmine is in this horrible position in her life where she's doing this to herself and other people. But I'm also really excited to know where this is going to go because it seems like this story is not going anywhere. Now on to John and Marilyn. I can really understand how John is so angry and frustrated by his situation. I also think his acting, his stroke victim acting is unbelievable. The speech, the arm, it's very, very good. And Dream Team Martha and Alf are sorting out Maz and John respectively. And I really think Martha is really good for the advice. She's really talking some good sense into into Marilyn. She's similar to her daughter Rue with the good advice and the steadying of ships. And Alf then also talks some sense into John being like, you can't do this on your own. And when Marilyn came in and John got really upset. Oh, I find that so sad. I find when John gets really upset, I think because he's like a man in his 60s, it's just like he's such a dad and it makes me kind of teary. It's just, and he's such a strong character that when he cries, you know, he really means it. And when she walked through the door, it was really sweet. And he's like, oh, I don't know where that came from. That just made me really happy. And they seem to have made a bond. It's like, I'm glad you're here. But people are, I think Marilyn, when, when Tori's kind of going over, you need to understand your role and what role you want to play here for John. Marilyn's doing a lot of like uneasy staring. So you don't never, I didn't really see her full commitment. It was kind of like my duty more so than anything else. But So then I was surprised when her and John have the heart-to-heart and she says, you're not going through this alone. And John is so vulnerable and he really does need her. But also he's the worst patient ever. So I really hope that it'll be as smooth sailing as it has been for now. But who knows? I, just, I don't really feel confident in that wish for the future. And then, guess who's back? Back again, Miss Bella. So, a bit of a dramatic entrance, okay? The call to Dean, the not tell Colby, I can't go back yet, pulling in the Summer Bay sign, stalling everything. You kind of think she's back to her old tricks. And I was just like, oh, here we go again, Bella. But no, sorry, she has totally changed. She's totally different. She looks different. She's not wearing those same kitty clothes. Her face has, like, changed or something. Her... It's not her hair. She looks older or something. Um, So I think the equine therapy did her the world of good. While she's doing all that hesitating to see Colby, when Dean is trying to, when Dean tells Colby back at the apartment, Dean gives Colby some huge home truths. You need to give her breathing space and I'm suffocated just listening to you, so stop it. So she just doesn't want to see you. Like, stop. And I I think Colby's just entering into old routines and, you know, Bella definitely called that of him and demanded that from him. And so when he gets the call from the equine um, therapy centre, and hears that she did okay, she's doing really well and just don't push her. And then when he gets the advice from Tori... She's basically like trying not to spook a horse, so you can understand that. So, but then when she has her lovely letters, that 
is a great way of communicating. And as Bella says, you're, so you won't interrupt me. And she says in the letter that, Colby, you're not responsible for my happiness. I am. I think it's great now. It's a fresh start. Our relationship needs to change. She's like, I can't rely on you anymore. And that is brilliant because that's where all the problems are coming from. Colby just thinking he could sort out everything for Bella. So I really am enjoying this gear change. Bella, you're more than welcome if you don't want to try like set places on fire or get weirdly obsessed with things. Like when she didn't approve of Ziggy and Dean in the early parts of their relationship, they went on a, on a road trip to do this dirt track racing and Bella hit in the boot and ruined their holiday. Once we don't get any of that behaviour... Bella, I love you. But the only reunion that didn't go well was Nick. So he, she rejects Nick in the letter and saying that she wants to be on her own, which is so healthy for her. As much as she likes Nick, it's just really not the right time. But you can always just put a little pin in it. I can understand why Nick is so upset because like, why don't I get a say in this? Even though it's not the right time, but everyone is making decisions without Nick and this is just another straw that's going to break this camel's back because... Um, when Nick started and lost it and started smashing the boxes it was just so funny because it's like you're not doing that much destruction but giving the attitude to Alf was very very rude and saying stick your job old man I'm done no Nick that is just not you getting dumped is not a reason for that kind of behaviour and also your job is important your family is important you're also like what 22 or something you need to be a bit more of an adult here like he's acting a little bit like a teenager so I just hope that kind of fizzles out I can understand his frustration but it's not worth losing your job over Nick come on especially after after the week he's had with his mum I know a lot of things are on top of him but oh, just not a not Nick's finest moment now I must say Well, that about wraps it up for me this week. If you want to get in touch, it's summerbayspodcast at gmail.com. I would super enjoy if you could subscribe, rate and or review. That would be amazing. And don't forget about the no spoilers. Honestly, just give it one week and see how you get on. Trust me, it's worth it. Total game changer. All right. G'day. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye.